0: good morning. I'm going to use Luke Swenson this morning. What I've done is I've asked Luke to kind of help me out with a couple of songs. And uh, what I want to do is this. He's going to play a song. He's going to play a couple of measures, a couple of bars of the song. And then I want you to just kind of see if you can identify it. All right. So song number one. Here we go. Got it? Yeah. Imagine. Yeah. The words of that song are pretty powerful, except they, just, they leave out the, the Creator, they leave out God. Second song, here we go. How can you not know that song and not want to tap dance to that song, right? All right, number three. It is well with my soul. What a beautiful song. Context of that song. What a reminder of who God is and what He's done for us. What about this one? Ho, oh, oh, ho, oh. ho. All right. Got it, jingle bells. What about this one? out of that generation, you knew that's the Beatles in the song, Let It Be. Speaking words of wisdom, let it be. Uh, the Beatles impacted a, a generation of people through their music. Two more. Here we go. Next one. We're all familiar with that amazing grace, how sweet the sound The saved a wretch like me. And the last one. Got it? Thank you very much. So some of you are thinking, what in the world are we doing here this morning? Let me tell you something. The last song was called uh, Piano Man by Billy Joel. There's an interesting line in it. It goes like this. It's a pretty good get- crowd for a Saturday. The manager gives me a smile because he knows that it's me they've been coming to see to forget about life for a while. Isn't that interesting? Why do people go to see the piano man? Because they know that music has a way to touch their lives in a mighty and powerful way and cause us to remember, cause us to forget, cause us to meditate, to radically change and alter our lives. Music has a way of, of changing us in a powerful, powerful way. You know, maybe you're driving down the road and you plugged in your, your, your MP3 player or whatever. You're listening to the radio, and all of a sudden something comes on and you're listening in somehow, some way, that song, that music speaks to your mind and your heart in a powerful way. And all of a sudden you're reminded of the nature and the character of who God is, and you're going, Yes, yes, I can do that. 99.1, what is their scene? The right song at the what? Right time. Why is that? Because we know that music has a way, songs have a way of speaking to our hearts, touching us in a mighty and powerful way. I can't tell you how many times that I've done a wedding. And as you go and you sit with a person, as you sit with a couple, and they begin to plan out their, their wedding, and, and they begin to look at all of the elements involved in them. they look at this idea of music, and many times they have this, listen, we need, we need to play this song because this song is so emblematic of our, of our relationship together. They want to have this song included because it it reminds them so much of what God has done in their life. Think about how our lives would be different without music, no singing in church, no singing to your kids at night, no lullabies, no national anthems. Singing would be radically different. Our lives would be radically different without this idea of singing and giving ourselves to God because of who He is. And, And what's beautiful about the Bible is this. God wants us to sing. He wants us to sing. Psalm 119, verse 172 says this very emphatically. May my tongue sing of your word, for all of your commands are righteous. When you look at all the variations of the word sing in the Bible, there's some 500 of them. They're all favorable to this idea of singing and offering our praises, lifting our voices loud to the Lord, and sharing what God has done together, collectively, if you will. There are over 50 direct commands for you and I to sing to the Lord. Psalm 47, verse 6 says this. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises. Over and over in the Bible, we are reminded that we have this wonderful opportunity to sing our praises to God for who He is and what He's done for us. I was kind of paging through the Psalms this past week and it's just flipping through a Psalm of David, a Psalm of David, a Psalm of David, to be this idea of, of music, psalms and, and poems and, and the book of Psalms being tied to music, and this idea of expressing itself in a mighty and powerful way, David with his heart singing and expressing music in a powerful way, reminding us of who God is. Israel is delivered from the Egyptians. And as the people gathered together, as they gathered together to worship, as they gathered together to celebrate, what, what happens in Exodus chapter 15 is this Moses gives them a song. Moses composes a song as a testimony of the deliverance of all that God had done for him. And it's recorded in Scripture, Exodus chapter 15. It's a song of celebration, if you will. David. At one point, he says, listen, I want there to be Levitical musicians. I want them to sing. I want them to pray. I want them to to bring their instruments to the Lord. I want there to be this worshipful element for what God would do in our lives and how we can celebrate that. And what's interesting is this. You go back to the book of Revelation, chapter 15, verse 13, and you know what they're singing? The song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. In the book of Revelation, they're singing the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. In the Old Testament, we're reminded of the wonder and the beauty that we have to lift our voices high to the Lord and for who He is and what He's done for us. Same in the New Testament. The Last Supper. Jesus is gathered together in this intimate formation with these men. And it says, after singing a hymn, they left the garden to go to other places. Acts chapter 16 whole and silent, they're beaten, they're in prison, they're locked together. And rather than whining, moaning, and complaining, what we read about in Acts chapter 16 is what they're lifting their voice, they're singing, they're giving an anthem of praise to who God is and what He has done for them. That's a beautiful testimony of their relationship with the Lord and how we can sustain them, even in the midst of difficulties and difficult times. And again, in the book of Revelation, you have this wonderful picture of the continuous singing around the throne. And what happens in Revelation chapter five, it says eventually all of creation is taking up with this idea of singing praise to who God is and what he has done for us. One theologian said this, the early church was born or birthed out of a song. We are a singing people. What I want to do this morning for the book of Colossians chapter, chapter three is I want to look at why why do we sing? Why should we sing? What's this idea of sing? Why not just have banners of Scripture? Why not just put things over here and put things over here? Why should we sing? Why should we lift our voices to the Lord? I think there's some things that are, under, that are important. We need to understand why God has created us and, God, and why God wants us to sing, why he wants us to lift our voices. to him. Why, as a corporate body, we want to gather together. You realize there's very few things that we do collectively. One of the things that we do collectively is we sing and lift our voices together and pray to who God is and what he's done. Why should we sing? That's what I want to look at in Colossians chapter 3. Well, as we saw last week, I, I believe that what he's done is he's, he's laid the foundation of why we should sing. Because we're radically different on the inside. You're, you're dearly loved. You've been set apart. You've been chosen by God. You have a new identity because of your relationship with Jesus Christ. In other words, if you've been changed on the inside, maybe we should change the way that we respond to God and the way that we respond to other people. Because I'm a different person. Christ has changed my life. It's Christ in you. When, when Paul talks about it, he says, Christ in you, what? The hope of glory is living inside of me through the Spirit of God, and I'm a radically different person. And because of that, if I'm to bear with one another and we're to forgive one another, if we're to live differently with one another, that means that I am changed on the inside and my relationship with God has changed we put on all of that other stuff. And what Paul says very emphatically is clothe yourselves with what? The person of Jesus Christ. Who he is, what he taught us, his mannerisms, his characteristics, all of Jesus. In Romans chapter 15, we are to clothe ourselves with the unique person of Jesus Christ. And because we've been clothed differently, we should respond differently. When you think of all that God has done for you and I, we should give our hearts... To want to sing to praise who he is and what he's done. So, what I want to do this morning is this Colossians chapter 3. Why should we sing? I'm going to walk through some things from this text and why we should be encouraged to sing. Number one, we should be encouraged to sing because we're at peace. We're at peace. Verse 15 talks about peace. Let the peace of Christ rule within your heart. Verse 15 says there's two reasons why we should, we, we should be. Uh, praising God, because we're at peace. We're at peace with God, and we're at peace with one another. The thought behind the the word peace is this. Estranged people, we had an estranged relationship with God. This estranged relationship now, this strange relationship with God has now been brought together, and we've been been pieced together, if you will. We've been brought near to who God is and what he's done for us. I was estranged in my relationship with God. Now I'm brought near to who he is and what he would have for my life. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13 says this. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near what? Through the blood of Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus' death, because of his offering on the the cross for our sacrifice for sin, we who were far away have been brought near to who Jesus is and what he's done for us. So we have peace with God. But there's a second reason why we have peace and we can sing about peace. It's because of this. Christ rules in our hearts. That's what the word rules means. It's this arbiter. In other words, we have this umpire. It has the idea of an umpire. Umpire makes decisions. Uh, Last Wednesday night, um, the Cardinal had a baseball game. And Mike Schilt did not like something that one of the umpires did. And he marched out there. And about a minute later, he exited the game. Why? Because that Umpire has the authority to be the responsible person at the game. He can rule. He has the authority to make decisions. And that's what this means. Arbiter, rule, has the idea that Jesus is ruling and reigning in our hearts. And we need to give ourselves to him. And when we give ourselves to him, when we trust him for who he is, what he's done, we have ultimately peace with him all the the brokenness of the world, even in the mix of difficulties and challenges. In Acts chapter 16, when Paul and Silas have been beaten, they know that they can have peace to God. They can sing to God for who He is and what He's done because He's given us peace. Let the peace of Christ rule and reign in your heart knowing who Jesus is and what He's done for us. One of my favorite verses, Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, says this, You will keep in perfect peace Him who... Mind is steadfast on you because he trusts in you. This idea that God is going to give us this perfect peace because my mind is steadfast. Why? Because I'm looking above. I'm seeking the things above. Because he trusts in you. Ultimately, you and I have this wonderful idea that because we're at peace with God, we're at peace with other people, we can give ourselves to him and we can allow him to rule and reign in our life because of who he is and what he's done. Do you realize that you... Been given peace with God, you've been given peace with other people, and we have this wonderful privilege of being able to sing to our hearts content because of the right relationship. Paul says, Therefore, you have been justified by faith because you've been justified by faith. You have, I have peace with God. Ultimate peace with God. So we should lift our hearts and sing. We should celebrate who he is and what he's done. But there's a second reason that we sing. I think we sing to remember. We sing to remember. We sing to remember so that we can deepen our relationship with God. We can allow the truths of who God is and develop that relationship deep inside of us for who he is and what he's done. And we do this by meditating and remembering God's word for who he is and what he's done for us. Colossians chapter 3 verse 16, notice what it says. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. As you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, there is this connection, if you will, between singing and letting God's word rule and reign in our hearts. That's what we did this morning. We had the, the opportunities to, to sing God's word, to share God's word with each other, to affirm the truth of God's word to each other in a beautiful, mighty, powerful way. We're speaking to one another. We're admonishing one another. We're building up one another as we read and reflect on the nature of who God is in the words and the songs that we sing. A beautiful picture of who God is. As I mentioned earlier, when God delivered the Israelites from the Egyptians, they sang a song of deliverance, Exodus chapter 15. Now, 40-something years later, as they get ready to go into the promised land, something else is going to happen. Moses told Israel that, you know what? This is what's going to happen. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. The Israelites, they're going to break this covenant with me. They're going, to, they're going to rebel against me. They're going to go off. But because of that, I want you, Moses, before they go into the promised land, I want you to teach them a song. And this is what the song says that Moses is supposed to teach them. Deuteronomy chapter 31, listen to the words. It says this. When many disasters and difficulties come upon them, this song will testify against them because it will not be forgotten by their descendants. Moses is saying, listen, I want you to memorize this song. I want you to teach it to the next generation, because what's going to happen is this. They're going to rebel against me. They're going to rebel against my covenant. They're going to walk away, and this song is going to be a testament to their lives of what they've ultimately done. See how song, the song and music, has this idea of meditating in our hearts, calling back to remembrance the nature and the character of who God is and what He's done for us. And it was true in the Old Testament. Sing this song, David. Sing this song. Let me reflect on who God is and what he's done, and let me be joyful in what God has done for us. In the New Testament, there's there's an interesting uh, gentleman by the name of Pliny the Younger. There was Pliny the Elder and Pliny the Younger. Basically, they were like lawyers, administrators in Rome about 100 uh, A.D., and they lived together, and they have a lot of recordings. They wrote a lot of letters, and we have them recorded. What's interesting about Pliny the Younger is this that he was writing to the emperor at that particular point in time, telling them about Christians and how they used to meet early in the morning. And this is what he wrote. They meet before dawn and they recite an antiphonal hymn to Christ as God. In other words, here he is telling the emperor that these early Christians, these first Christians, gather together. They sing a song celebrating Christ as God. Why do they do that? Because they're singing to remember of who God is and what He's done for us. We sing to remember. You go to a baseball game, and what are they singing? National Anthem, we're remembering, it's a star-spangled banner, remembering who we are and our roots and, and all that's, that's happened. When you go to a birthday party, are you just singing happy birthday or are you singing, I'm, I'm really glad that this person was, was born and we're celebrating this person's life. See, we sing... To remember, we sing to reflect on the nature and the character of God and those wonderful truths are driven deep down inside of our hearts when we have this opportunity to express love and care and concern for one another as we lift our voices to the Lord for who we is. see, Singing helps us to remember what God has done for us in our lives and the beauty of our, our, our relationship with Him. So we sing because we have peace. Our relationship with God has been restored. We sing because we want to remember. Third, we sing because it allows us to meditate on God's word. It allows us to meditate on who he is in a a way that words just don't do well. Do you have any favorite Christmas songs? You know, I I realize that some people don't like the music at Christmas time. I particularly do because I love the focus of some of the words. I love how they direct us to who Jesus is and what he's done for us. One of my favorite songs at Christmas time is O Holy Night. And one of the lines goes like this. And it allows me to meditate on who Jesus is and what he's done for us. It says this, Fall on your knees. Oh, hear the angel voices. Oh, night divine. Oh, night divine. Oh, night when Christ was born. Oh, night, oh, holy night. Oh, night divine. We have the opportunity to meditate on God's word and to be affected in a mighty, powerful way because of reminding us the beauty and the wonder of our God and Savior and the beauty and wonder of Jesus and what He's done for us. Notice what verse 16 says again. It says, Let the word of Christ what, dwell in you richly as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. you know what the world dwell means? It means this, take up residence in your heart. It's the nature of Jesus, clothing ourselves with Jesus, the words of Jesus, the actions of Jesus, the behavior of Jesus, the behavior, the attributes of Jesus. If we're clothing ourselves or we're allowing the word of God to come into us and allowing us to meditate on it, we're going to be radically different people. And we're going to want to express ourselves in a powerful way to who we is. And we have the privilege of doing that when we... When we sing together, when we sing together. Why don't we just chant words together? Why don't we just say words together? Why don't we just speak words together? Because it makes a difference when we sing together. Um, if you have a hymnal, grab a hymnal and uh, turn to one forty-eight. Let's see if we can, if I can demonstrate this. One forty-eight, and and I would just want to, I just want to say the words together. And by the way. You're going to have to bear with me on this, right? I'm not a musician. I'm horrible at this. But let me, let's just read the words. Verse, uh, the verse 1 of 148. Let's just say it together. Ready? Here we go. O oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul fell. To okay, we'll stop there. Why don't we just say words together? Why don't we just say that? Maybe when we sing it, it makes a difference in how it feels in our heart and how it feels when we have the opportunity to hear other people. So as I said, I am not a musician, but let's attempt to sing this. Can we do it? Let's just start on three. Ready? One, two, three. Oh, holy night. The stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. All oh, may the world in sin ever find me till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. All right, I'll stop you there. Isn't there a difference between the way that we say it and the way that we sing it to each other? The rhythm of the song, the words of the song, when you hear people around you, even if they don't have a, a great voice. You know, maybe what they're singing and sharing is deep from their heart of what, who, what, what God has done for them, and they're singing from their, from their emotional being, being thankful and grateful to who God is and what He's done. Singing enables us with the repetition of the lyrics combined with the music to affect our emotions in a mighty and powerful way. Where you can draw on some of those words years later. You may not have heard this song, but you can draw on these words and the rhythm and the music years later. I cannot tell you how many times I have gone to a rest room. I've gone to a home with an older person, and maybe their minds are not always there, and maybe they can't articulate what's going on, But when they gather together to sing on a Sunday night, they can recall and sing the songs. Because music is a way of touching us in a mighty and powerful way, and it allows us to remind of the nature and the character of who God is. My grandmother, I believe she she came to faith uh, later in life, and she very, very, very seldom ever went to church. I remember years ago, my dad sent me a, a video of my grandmother singing above everyone else at her home, everyone else. And she was singing loudly, and she was singing boldly one of the Christmas songs. And she very seldom went to church. But she was taught that song as a child. And here it was probably 70, 80 years later. She's singing loudly about who Jesus is and what he's done for us because it was deep inside of her heart, deep inside of her mind. Singing allows us to meditate on God's Word in a mighty and powerful way. And sometimes it affects us emotionally. You know, when we do communion, we do uh, the Lord's Supper, the first Sunday of the month. We try and pick a song that relates to communion, relates to the Lord's Supper. How many of you are familiar with Keith Green in the song, There is a Redeemer? I love that song. There is a Redeemer. Jesus, God's own Son. Man, that song has a way of affecting me in a mighty and a powerful way, reminding me of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And in the text in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, it says we're to teach and admonish one another in the context of singing. What we're doing is we're meditating on God's, we're using God's word in, in music and reminding us of, of what God has done for us and the beauty of who he is and how we can lift our voice in singing and sharing with him. So we sing because we're at peace. We sing to remember, we sing to meditate, we sing to, to celebrate God's goodness. We sing to celebrate the nature and the character of who God is and what he's done for us. Now maybe if you grew up in a faith tradition and you kind of, you, you didn't sing real emotionally, it was kind of very, very stoic and you just recite the words and every once in a while there was somebody over here to the, to the left of you that were just going wild and singing really, really loud and lifting their voices to the Lord, maybe singing off key us to sing because we're looking at who he is and what he's done for us. Singing reminds us of of the beauty of who God is and what he's done for us. And it gives us an opportunity to to proclaim, not only to each other, but to proclaim to the Lord what's going on in our heart as we're grateful to who he is and what he's done for us. Do you like watching children sing? I love watching children sing. Not too long ago, as a matter of fact, I think it was last Christmas, my daughter sent me one of my favorite videos It's it's of of our daughter Paisley singing. Nobody knew um, she was singing. She was just at the table. She was doing some things. And she was singing Feliz Navidad. I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. Bottom of my heart. She didn't get all the words. I told her the name of the song is really Fleas on My Dog, but it wasn't, she wasn't <laughs> buying it. But but this is what was so beautiful about it. She's singing from her heart. Something is going on the, in, in the heart of this little five-year-old. And she's knowing about Christmas. She's knowing about the beauty of Christmas. And she's responding in a mighty, a mighty powerful way. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to respond. Look at verse 16 again. It says, let the word of Christ swell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. What is the emotion that we're... It says this, with gratitude in your hearts to God. When I look at who God is and when I recognize what He's done for us and as I put on all of these wonderful elements and I'm putting on the Lord Jesus Christ... I'm realizing that in these psalms, in these songs, in these spiritual songs, I'm lifting my voice to who He is, being grateful for the salvation that I enjoy. The Word of God allows us the freedom to come to Him and respond in a beautiful and mighty way because of the salvation that we enjoy. We are singing with gratitude in our hearts. By the way, if you go back and read Colossians, over and over there's this theme of giving thanks. Five or six times there's this idea of giving thanks. Give thanks to the Lord in all things. Because we're changed on the inside, because we're clothed ourselves with very clothing of Jesus Christ, our lives are radically different. And we should be, of of all the people, shouldn't we be people characterized by gratitude and thanks? When I recognize that Jesus went to the cross and offered himself as a sacrifice for my sin, so that I can have a relationship with him, shouldn't we be people... We're giving gratitude to the Lord, lifting our voices to Him. So we sing because we're at peace. We sing to remember. We sing to meditate. We sing to respond to God. And we sing as an expression of our heart. We sing as an expression of our heart. It's an interesting point about our new faith and how Paul makes this change. He talks about us being renewed in in the attitudes of our mind, being renewed because of our relationship with them. And because of that, we're entirely new on the inside, the way that we respond to other people and the way that we respond to God. And our lives are radically changed. There's a guy by the name of Ronald Allen, and and he wrote in this book called Worship, Rediscovering the, the Missing Jewel. Notice what he writes here about how our lives have been changed. Remember? We're putting on. Our lives have been changed. He says this. When a non-singer becomes a Christian, he or she becomes a singer. Not all are blessed with finely tuned ear and a well-modulated voice, so the sound may not be suburban. It may even be out of, ton, out of tune and off-key. And then he says this. Remember, worship is a state of art. Musical sound is a state of... I'm sorry. Remember, worship is a state of heart. Musical sound is a state of the art. Let's not confuse the two. And I have this great privilege when we sing together, when we sing to be mindful of what God has done for us in the unique person of Jesus Christ and to reflect this attitude of worship to Him, expressing our hearts, thank you, Lord, for who you are. Thank you for what you've done. I've told you this before, that song, 10,000 Reasons, there's one verse in there that just, I love talks about your name is great, and your heart is kind. I remember remembering that phrase and not really knowing the name of the song, and I just simply plugged it into my, my, uh, my phone, and, and I looked up that verse so that I could find that song, and the name of the song is 10,000 Reasons. There's 10,000 reasons for me to, to be grateful and thankful to who God and what He's done for us. The psalmist says this in Psalm 135, he says, Praise the Lord, for He is good. Sing praise to His name, why? For that is pleasant. It is good for you and I to sing and express our heart to the Lord for who He is. By the way, Psalm 100, if you go back and look at it, it's a psalm for giving thanks. Psalm 100, verse 2 says this, Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. When we gather together on Sunday morning, it's a it's a great opportunity for us to sing and to share and to be reminded about who God is and what he's done for us. And I'll, What has God done for you this past week? Has he given you some victory somewhere? Has he rebuilt a relationship? Has he blessed your life in some way? Do you see the handiwork of God and what he's doing in your life? Shouldn't we be singing our praises to him for who and what he's done? James chapter 5, verse 13 says this. Is anyone happy? Is anyone happy? Notice what it says. Let him sing songs of praise. We have this great privilege of knowing our Savior, Jesus Christ, and recognizing Him for what He's done, that my sins are absolutely forgiven. I've been restored in a relationship with God. And that when I die, I'm going to spend eternity with Him in the presence of the Lord and the glory of His power. And because of that, I should worship Him for who He is. I should meditate on his word, and I should be grateful and thankful for who he is. So we sing. We sing because we're at peace. We sing to meditate. We sing to respond to God. We sing to express our heart. And the last thing is this, we sing to glorify the Lord. At the end of that verse, it says, whatever you do, whether you you eat, drink, in 1 Corinthians, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. When we sing, we come together to bring glory to the Lord for who he is and what he's done. Verse 17 says, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. All that I have, all that I possess, is because of what Jesus has done for me. And I want to sing to him. I want to be grateful. I want to live a life of of thanksgiving for all the blessings that I have, all the things that he's done for us. Jesus, Reminds us that he is the he's our redeemer. He is the, the light of the world. He's the, the bread of life. He gives us living water. We simply come to him and he says, I will radically change your life. I, I will deliver you. He is the holy one of God. He is the one that we are to come to and to uh, to, to, to respond to because of what he's done. So are you singing in your hearts, making melody to the Lord are you grateful for all that he's done for you? All the things that he's done to, to change who you are on the inside as he continues to change? Shouldn't you and I be those kind of people that are giving thanks to who God is and what he's done? That's what we want to do, Colossians chapter By the way, it's interesting how, how, how Paul takes us from all of the theology, all of the things that he's done for us, who Jesus is in chapters 1, chapters 2, and chapter 3, Changes and reminds us that we're being renewed on the inside and now what He does is respond to Him. How do we respond? We sing by admonishing one another, by teaching one another, by singing spiritual hymns and songs to one another in praise. Being grateful in our hearts. Are you grateful to who God is and what He's done? Man, we should be singing and celebrating our faith together. Father, thank You for what You've done for us. Thank You for the new life that you've given us in Christ. and Father, of all the people, we want to we want to give you thanks. Father, we want to lift our voices to you. We want to celebrate who you are. Father, we want to celebrate the peace that we have, the victory that we have in Jesus. Father, we want to be reminded that one day we are going to gather together from the saints, from Bolivia and from France and all over the world and all of those people, we're going to gather together and we're going to sing our hallelujahs to the Lord. We're going to We're going to celebrate who you are and what you've done for us. And Father, we thank you for your gratefulness. Father, we thank you for Jesus who allows us to approach the throne of grace with boldness. And that gives us a a song in our heart to sing. Father, I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.